Mayo Clinic Radio presents a conversation about breast cancer awareness with expert Dr. Sandia Pruthi. The show hosts are Dr. Tom Shives and Tracy McRae. This podcast was recorded on August 29th, 2016. Welcome back to Mayo Clinic Radio. I'm Dr. Tom Shives. And I'm Tracy McRae. Tracy, according to the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, there are some 220,000 cases of breast cancer diagnosed in women every year in the United States. Now that means breast cancer will ultimately affect one in eight women in their lifetime if they live long enough. If you get old enough, it's sort of like men and prostate cancer. <laughs> Sooner or later, you'll get it oh, if I you live long enough. I don't like the thought of that, yeah. But to that means, uh, to that end, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. The annual campaign started back in 1985 to increase awareness of the disease. Substantial support for breast cancer awareness and research funding has helped to improve screening, diagnosis, and treatment of breast cancer. Well, here to discuss those advancements and what's on the horizon is Dr. Sandy Apruthi from the Breast Diagnostic Clinic at Mayo Clinic. Welcome to the program. Good to see you. Thank Always you. nice to have you here. Thank you and welcome. I'm glad. So uh, we, let's talk first of all about the, the latest guidelines for mammography, screening test for breast cancer, because it seems like over the past decade or two, uh, there's been a little controversy. Uh, there's been some some changes, and breast cancer, just like all cancers, uh, part of the key to curing it uh, is catching it early. So, what are your latest recommendations for women and mammography? Well. Um big factor that uh, impacts a lot of women is this concept of dense breast tissue. And where you're going to know that is either it's your own clinical exam or your physician tells you at the time they're examining you have very dense breast tissue or you notice you have a very lumpy breast on your own self-awareness. But the real way to detect density is by having a mammogram. And if anybody wants to know what is my density um, and how will that impact my future frequency of screening and, and, and how um, often I should um, be having it based on my age. We really are now concentrating on getting that information from a mammogram. So it's almost like your first baseline mammogram is going to tell you what your dense pattern is. The reason this is important is if you know you have dense breast tissue, are you a candidate or eligible for more supplemental screening? Should you have your mammogram more frequently or should you have a more um, sophisticated mammogram that gives you better uh, uh, interpretation because you have the dense pattern and now we're we're in this era where we have a new 3D tomosynthesis mammogram that um, is considered to be more uh, effective in women with dense breast tissue. And there are now questions about should we be doing additional screening with ultrasound through dense breast tissue? So these are the uncertainties a lot of women are asking. First, is my dense tissue on my mammogram significant enough that I need different format of screening or a different type of imaging technology? And then how frequent? So this is really, this is interesting because this is really the first time I have heard you tie the recommendation with regard to how often you ought to have a mammogram or, or other tests with a dense breast. Yeah, and actually there was just recently a publication that just came out this past week that now has considered that the dense breast pattern may be more of a, of a recommendation to screen more frequently every, week, every year where a woman who has a less dense breast pattern could go every two to three years. 
So what's your recommendation? So let, let's, uh, what percent of women, by the way, do have uh, uh, enough density in their breasts that you have to be concerned? So density is age dependent. So if you are a younger woman who's still premenstrual, um, under 50, you're gonna have dense breast tissue just by nature of having estrogen and being premenstrual. As premenstrual you, or premenopausal? Premenopausal, uh, pre pre okay. sorry, correct, yes. Um, what I meant before menopause, gotcha. they're still menstruating, and so these are the women who are gonna have more dense breast tissue. As you age, your density gets replaced by fat, just by, um, again, less estrogen as you get older. So as women get into their 60s and 70s and 80s, the dense tissue decreases and they hmm. become more fatty replaced. So, are you more likely to have, when you ask me how many women are going to have dense t breast tissue, we're going to see at least 75% of women under the age of 50 who are still premenopausal have dense breast tissue. Wow. Whereas women over the age of 50, as we get older, 25% will have more dense breast tissue. So let's separate the two groups. Uh, Non-dense breasts, how often should women get a, a mammogram and when should they start? And then... Uh, women with dense breasts, and, and okay. you, you mentioned that there are degrees of, of density, so you grade them, don't you, right. on, on, the, so on the mammogram? So a radiologist will be able to tell you the degree of density, and, and they're using um, now a, a grading, you know, this is a dense of breast tissue. Instead of used to saying 75% of the breast tissue, now they're saying this is a more, um, a, a grade two or three more, or we can say an A, B, or C, or D density. So a D density is a very dense breasts where an A is more fatty replaced. So the mammogram recommendations, non-dense breasts and dense breasts. That's what I am starting to see and with this new publication that just came out um, highlighting now that understanding your dense pattern may predict what you're more likely to benefit from a screening interval with and it makes sense that if you have more dense breast tissue you should be screened more frequently because it, the challenges of interpreting the mammogram having um, maybe every year is better than waiting every two years through the dense tissue to be able to detect if there's an abnormality where a woman with a um, less dense breast pattern could go every few years every two years okay so uh, all right so tell us what the guidelines are uh, so the, for non-dense breasts there aren't any strict guidelines right now when you describe guidelines i have to tell you american cancer society sells mm. women to start screening at age 45 and go every year and then by age 54 you can decrease to every um every two years um the um uh U.S. Preventive Task Force tells you to start screening in your 50s and go every two years. So we are all over the place, and it's really become more of a personal um, values and a discussion between you and your doctor, and that's what actually all the guidelines interestingly get down to. It really is a decision between you, the patient, and your provider. What is the best interval for you based on your personal values? So we really obviously want to know what you and the Mayo Clinic what, say, okay, but, but what you're saying is that it, there are no clear-cut guidelines anymore. Absolutely. It's between patient and physician, right. and then the two of you decide together what's appropriate. Right. And in general, what we are recommending at Mayo, we still recommend that um, by 40, start your screening every year, and it may change it every two years, and I may base that again on density, I may tell this woman, you know, you have a less dense pattern. We can go every two years. Those are conversations we need to start having more than what we did before. 
What about self-exams? Is that more important or less important if you have dense breasts? Is that harder to perform a self-exam if you have dense breasts? It's actually more important if you have dense breast tissue to know what normal for you is. And if you're from if you're familiar with your breasts by just your usual activities of daily living and you know you have a lumpy breast, your familiarity will help you when there is an abnormality to know that this needs to be further evaluated. So there is value in in breast awareness, but we're going away from the true breast self-exam technique, and that no longer um, is recommended by any organization. It's rather about, about a self-awareness, and the women who I tend to educate in my clinic when I see them about dense tissue is tell them, you really are the one who should know what normal for you is, because if there's a thickening or a change in the size of your breast, or there's some area that has a little more of a lumpiness that you didn't notice before, that's when you need to get prompt evaluation and get that checked out. But there was some organization recently, a few years ago, that said, uh, forget breast self-exams. Yeah, and uh, that, and that was the technique. Forget the technique of doing the lying on your stomach, on your back, and then doing it in the shower, and then standing up and examining your breast. The actual technique of performing it is what was told to women isn't really helping us. It's actually creating more false positives or unnecessary abnormalities that went to check when they went on to check them were nothing more than just dense breast tissue or fibrocystic changes so we got away from the actual technique and now it's more of an awareness so but it, it, you're not really saying that women shouldn't be familiar with the with how their breasts feel I am saying they should be familiar with right. how their breasts feel. And that's in the context of more their showering, dressing, you know, and their usual um, own um, awareness of their own body. Instead of saying, you know, um, three days after my period yeah. ends, I perform this instead exactly. of exactly that's what you don't do anymore. We don't want to go into that. All right, before we go on to talk about risk factors and treatment and genetic testing, how about the myth or matter of fact? Myth or matter of fact, Dr. Pruthi, only women get breast cancer. That is a myth. How often, I just, I just still can't believe that, how often do you <laughs> diagnose men with breast cancer? So um, about 3,000 men will be diagnosed a year in the United States with breast cancer. And it's often because they felt a lump. It, but how, how, I just think it must be so far advanced before a man would notice that. Oh, um, actually, I'm just not, saying. Okay. Not. All right. Actually, they are the ones who can feel a lump under their skin. And when you think about the amount of breast tissue they're examining through, um, men feel lumps at a smaller size. And, that makes sense. Um, yeah, and and they are the ones who will say it's often because they hear this message about women and lumps that they tend to check their own chest and bring that to their attention that there's something different here. Yeah, sort of interesting. What is it? There's about as tenth as as. as common in a man as it is in a in a female mm -hmm. but it can be a nasty disease in a male just like in a female absolutely there are men who die of breast cancer and men that. can get cancer that um, spreads metastatic it's not um, any different it's the same biology so how about an update on genetic testing so a woman has been diagnosed with uh, breast cancer she may or may not have a family uh, history how do you decide who ought to have genetic testing and what does it really tell you so 
it's really important as a provider that you get a good family history. You want to know who was diagnosed with breast cancer, mother, sister, daughter. We call those your first degree relatives. We also want to know if there were second degree relatives. And then what was the age of diagnosis? Were they diagnosed before age 50 or after age 50? Sort of helps cut off if it's a younger onset first degree relative. That has more significance in potentially being hereditary than someone who has an older age individual like a mother who gets breast cancer at 80. When we get a history like that where there are multiple young affected relatives um, over many generations with breast but also if they report ovarian cancer, pancreatic cancer, younger family members with prostate cancer, these are um, red flags to be thinking of a potential hereditary predisposition to breast cancer. And so for those women, you'd say, we think you ought to have some genetic testing. We need you to talk to a genetic counselor. Always start with the counseling first. A genetic counselor's job is to counsel on the pros and cons of testing. First of all, um, to decide if this family even meets the criteria to be considered eligible for testing by taking this pedigree, this family history, and then using models that they use in the office to calculate what's the likelihood this family is going to present with um, a hereditary breast cancer risk and then offer testing with the discussion about the pros and cons. Yeah, so positive or negative, what does it really tell the individual and her family? So if you find out you are positive for a hereditary mutation, it carries your risk much higher than someone who's your general one in eight or as you age. So these people could have a lifetime risk from anywhere from 40 to 80% of developing breast cancer. That's important to know if you carry the mutation, you're going to want a much more uh, significant uh, surveillance pattern. What are you going to do to watch me from an early detection? And um, what are we going to do to prevent breast cancer because I'm at so much higher risk? So these are conversations that um, having that information really will now change your prevention and early detection options. There's been so much awareness. I think breast cancer awareness has definitely come a long way in the last 10 to 15 years. But has that helped women's odds or increased their survival rates when they are diagnosed with breast cancer? If you're diagnosed early, yes, your odds are much better. Our treatments, our advances in um, understanding the biology of the tumor have really improved the survival rate. So we're seeing significantly improved 95% survival rate because we're catching cancer and treating the cancers that we detect with the right medications. Now, when you say early, do you mean confined to the breast or confined to the breast and lymph nodes? Or what do you mean when you say early? So early stage cancers are stage zero, one, and two. So it's confined to the breast. Late stages, you know, anything that's now spread outside of the breast. So it could be the lymph node or elsewhere. And then the survival rate goes down significantly. Right. But with treatments, these women do very well as, as, as another opportunity to say that treatments have advanced for also late-stage breast cancers. So you want to find that lump before the cancer has had a chance to spread anywhere. And it, it can spread to the lymph nodes or it can get in the bloodstream and basically spread it anywhere, correct? correct. Yeah. Um, Treatment options, has anything changed? I mean, is it still true that if the, if the tumor is confined to the breast, your chances of survival are just as good if you have a lumpectomy and radiation as opposed to a mastectomy, or has that changed? No, that's actually very well said that, that those treatment options are equivalent when we, use, when we bring those into discussions for early stage breast cancer. Um, and what about the 
uh, breast cancer that has spread to the lymph nodes? Are you still removing the lymph nodes at the same time you do the uh, mastectomy? Or is radiation an option for those women and then who gets chemo? So that's exactly what they would be using here is more of a, uh, a treatment pattern that includes chemotherapy, potentially radiation, but less so now um, is extensive surgery of the axilla of the lymph nodes. More the treatment is focused on the chemotherapy and the radiation. Chemotherapy a lot better than it used to be? That's what women are saying. It's better tolerated. We're seeing um, uh, better medicines to help with the side effects. So, yes, it's better tolerated than it used to be. And what can be done to reduce reduce the risk of getting breast cancer? That's the key. It's that Breast Cancer Awareness key. Month, and <laughs> no woman wants to have to go through it. So what can they do to help I themselves? I am so impressed with the evidence that continues to come out year after year on the role of exercise, maintaining a healthy weight after menopause, and moderation of alcohol those three things um, so uh, do you think the fact that the obesity rates in in the United States and of course among women also uh, have gotten so high that there's definitely a correlation with the number of women getting breast cancer the research is showing a correlation with obesity not only for breast but other cancers but it's it, it is there for breast so yes I think there's a correlation hasn't hadn't the research also shown that once you've had breast cancer if you reduce your weight and become not o obese that your chances of recurrence are less also yes and there again is the importance of exercise maintaining a healthy weight can reduce recurrence alcohol little alcohol is okay though little alcohol is okay less than one drink a day I, the final question I had was about the age of uh, people because if it's more serious the younger you are when you're diagnosed uh, is it still common to diagnose a woman who's in her 70s or 80s with breast cancer yeah, coming back to the longer you live, that just your age alone, you can still be, see one in eight women get breast cancer just by living to their 80s. So there's not just kind of a window. It's if when you make it past a certain age, you're still, the risk is still there. As you age. Yes, All right. It is. All right, Dr. Sandy Apruthi, an expert on breast cancer from the Mayo Clinic Breast Diagnostic Clinic. Thanks so much for being here. You're welcome. Thank you. For the latest in health and medical news, go to newsnetwork.mayoclinic.org.